Hi, and welcome to the Nursing Home 411 podcast. I'm Eric Goldwine, and on the show, I'm joined by Gloria Murray to talk about the best-kept secret in long-term care, ombudsman programs. Ombudsmen serve a critical role in advocating for residents and resolving issues in long-term care settings. Though the interview, recorded late February, does not address COVID-19, the challenges residents are facing during this pandemic highlight the critical importance of ombudsman programs. Thanks for listening and hope you enjoy. Hi, and welcome to the Nursing Home 411 podcast. I'm here with Gloria Murray, who is the LTCCC Ombudsman Program Director. Hi, Gloria, and thanks for coming on the show. Hi, Eric, and thanks for inviting me. Yeah. So our first question is, what is an ombudsman? I, I mean, we have this this rough idea. We know that they're at nursing home facilities. They're kind of working with residents. They're sometimes talking to staff members at facility. What exactly is an ombudsman? Well, first, Eric, let me say that I do think the ombudsman is a very well-kept secret sometimes. Um, I think there's a lot of families that don't know about the ombudsman program and how we can help them, as well as residents. Um, But an ombudsman is a resident-centered, resident-directed advocate, and our role is to um, speak with residents, and we have the right to investigate their complaints if they want our assistance, but also we have the right to um, protect the resident and keep whatever they're telling us in a confidential um, confidential because we don't want to put them in jeopardy of anything. So we right. are definitely advocates for residents and uh we just talk with them and, and see how they're doing. We want to make sure they know that they have resident rights, that um, we want to talk about their quality of life and their quality of care while they're living in a long-term care facility, and hopefully we can try to help them find some resolution to their to their concerns. Mm-hmm. You, uh, When I talked to you over the phone a couple weeks ago, you called uh, uh, the ombudsman program the best-kept secret. What do you mean by that? It's a best-kept secret because not everybody really knows about us. You would be surprised how many people you meet outside or if you get a call from a family and you say to them, do you you know about the?" They'll say to you, I had no idea that um, there was this program to help me when my mom was in the nursing home or or that I that I could call you while my family was there or is there. Um, and I did, it wasn't until I saw the poster in the facility or that I met the volunteer who was visiting um, my dad or the volunteer left my mom some information and my mom shared it with me and I had no idea that this program existed. So right. that's why I say we are the best kept secret. Well, uh, hopefully we'll get the secret out a little bit with this. Um, and in addition to just a lack of awareness of the ombudsman programs, uh, what are some other challenges that that the program faces in helping residents and helping resident families? Well, there's there's many challenges. One, the program is, although we are a state and federal mandated program to be in board and care facilities across the state or the country on a federal level, 
sometimes we don't have enough, there's not enough funding for staffing for our programs. So we are very much um, powered by volunteers. And volunteers are, it is a commitment for a, vo for a person who wants to volunteer. And it is both rewarding and challenging, but uh, it is a commitment. And sometimes volunteers, you know, they are seniors for the most part. And when they enter the nursing homes, they do. It is also a reflection of the aging process. So sometimes it is challenging for them as well. But you know, they do their best, and the other challenges are keeping residents confidential, keeping resident information confidential, confidential because um, we cannot identify residents without their giving us authorization, and we want to, but we want to help them, and so we try to help them in many different ways, talking with them, kind of giving them a little education or empowering them on getting their voices heard and then also being there with them. Support it. We want to support them in whatever they can. And then the challenges are that we don't have enough volunteers to go out and cover every single board and care facility in our region. So if I don't have a volunteer that is there weekly to talk with residents and, and observe what's going on, then it is up to myself and another staff person here, Diane, to get out there quarterly and visit these facilities and talk with residents and see, what's, see what their concerns are. But quarterly in no way can address you know the the concerns that every resident might have so it's a struggle to or we are answering and when a resident calls if it doesn't have an ombudsman at their facility we go out and we are reactionary so there's a couple of challenges to mm -hmm. making sure that residents um, know about us and know that we're there to help them right and uh, uh, we'll we'll add a link to our show description but I want to give you a quick chance to to uh, plug how uh, volunteers might be able to get involved. Is there a website? Is there an email address, uh, phone number that they can reach if they are interested? Our ombudsman program is on the LTCC website. Um, there is a little menu there for our ombudsman program, so they definitely can go there. But if they are interested in becoming an ombudsman in the Hudson Valley, which is um, Duchess Ulster Orange, Sullivan, Green, and Columbia, they can always just call me at 845-229-4680, extension 102. Great. And back to the, the work that you do. Um, when we've been emailing back and forth, uh, we, I know you've been emailing me from parking lots. You've had some last-minute appointments. Can you talk about maybe one of your recent cases and how an, uh, the ombudsman program worked with a resident. Maybe you don't need to necessarily get into the specifics, but can you can you talk about a recent example of how an ombudsman uh, helped uh, a resident? Absolutely. And, you know, again, I'm going to um, mention the volunteers that power our program because they are so phenomenal. And it is something that I, they are something that I am totally grateful for, for these people. But there was an ombudsman with our program who was working with a, a female resident in a nursing home. And she was there for about seven years. And he was talking to her. And through his 
I want to say through his caring about her and what was going on with her and just talking with her, he encouraged her and empo- I want to say empowered her to start participating in her care plan meetings. And care plan meetings are where residents um, should go and families should go to make sure they're up to date on what the care is that they're, that they're getting. And this resident who had been there for seven years just didn't do that. She figured, you know, whatever the facility was going to do was what it was going to do. And now she's been doing this for, I want to say, over a year and a half, and she is making extremely great progress. She's no longer a um, mechanical lift transfer, like a Hoyer lift transfer. She's actually mm-hmm. been to PT and can now transfer from chair to bed on her own, and she's got her name on a list to get out back into the community, all because she was empowered to just be part of what was going on with her care and her life, and then her voice was being heard. So that is probably one of the most you know, phenomenal stories for our, for our program and for our volunteers who are actually out there talking and empowering residents to be part of their care. I understand you got into being an ombudsman in a roundabout way. You started your career in a sales role, and you kind of stumbled upon this, right? Well, yes. So my career started in as a nurse, and then um, I did get into sales, and it was basically around – it was six states in the Northeast. But um, because I was traveling so much, I kind of felt a little disconnected from, you know, community, and, and uh, I wanted to get back into the being in the community. So I had um, stumbled across this, and I spoke with the with the director at the time, and she said, oh, well, why don't you just become an ombudsman? So I, I did get the training done, and... Um, became an ombudsman and it was very at first it's a little challenging especially if you've been in the healthcare career and in the healthcare field and you have been caring for residents all of your you know for your time and you've learned how to you know become a nurse and care about patients and do things it's a little it's a little challenging to kind of take the role where you can't do anything for them as an ombudsman you cannot you cannot give them anything to drink or anything. So it, you have to you have to really empower them, and you have to make sure that they their voice is being heard. So it was challenging, but after a while, I really enjoyed it. And then the opportunity came up about three and a half years ago to become the director of the program, and I was excited that the director before me had recommended me, and I am thankful that Richard from LTCC interviewed me and decided to hire mm-hmm. me. So I feel very fortunate that I was uh, given this position and this opportunity because I totally enjoy being the program coordinator for the ombudsman program and for just training volunteers and, and working with residents and families and helping them get through a very challenging time in their in their life. Right. And if I remember right, you 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 were a volunteer several years before and you uh, how did you stumble upon that? Uh, did you see a flyer? How did you uh, uh, get into the volunteer role? I saw an ad in the newspaper, and it was actually for a part-time position. So I, you know, applied for this part-time position because I thought maybe something on the weekends or at night would get me back into the community and um, whatever. And um, 
unfortunately, the director at the time, she didn't want a part-time person that couldn't work during the day, and I couldn't do that. So she said, well, why don't you become an ombudsman? And I was like, all right, tell me what it is and how to do it, and that's how I did it. So, and here I am. So I'm... um, I'm very grateful to her to have even, you know, entertained my conversation with her and, and just um, to let me go through this program. So, yeah, that's how I got here. Very, very, you know, roundabout way type of thing. And something you mentioned earlier, which I find uh, fascinating, though, though not necessarily surprising, is that the volunteers tend to skew older. Uh, can you talk about how that the positives that might bring, but also uh, whether that might also bring some uh, downsides and whether there needs to be a focus on, on um, recruiting younger volunteers. So the most of our volunteers are retirees who obviously are seniors themselves. Um, and the reason I believe that that is um, – they want to give back. They want to give back to the community. But also, because our program is not an online training program, it is truly a personal, interactive program, and it's still held in the classroom where we bring um, volunteers together and we train them as a group. To and we go through lots of different things, and and it's important that you. It's five days. It's five mm-hmm. days over a two week period. Five or six days over a two week period, and for those who are not retired, they can't do that when they're working. Do you know what I'm saying? They cannot take that time to do that unless they want to take vacation time and go through this. And and doubt that that will happen. That someone would want to spend their vacation becoming an ombudsman. So, yes, so the most of our volunteers are those who are retired and are seniors themselves. And um, But they do a phenomenal job, and they are caring individuals. And sometimes it does put the aging process in front of us, no matter how old we are. It does put the aging process in front of us, and uh, it is somewhat of a challenge to get to, to work with in that environment. And being in this position and having uh, been in a vol- having been around volunteers, having been around ombudsmen, you see a lot of uh, you see a lot of situations where things could have gone better, where uh, where th- probably also where things could have gone worse. Um, from a resident perspective and from a family perspective, what are three pieces of advice that you'd give uh, to ensure the best outcomes possible uh, for for the residents and facilities? Well, I always encourage anyone who is, um, who is deciding about a nursing home or a long-term care facility to definitely go visit and ask lots of questions. And if you can bring the person who, the mom or the dad or whoever who's going to live there, make sure they go with you. But sometimes that's not always a feasible thing. So I always say know the facility, do your research, go on Medicare.gov, um, Nursing Home Compare, and um, check out the facility, look at their surveys, ask the questions, put all your senses in, engage all your senses when you walk into the facility so you can see exactly what, you know, what it is that you want to. And with, and with residents and families, I say 
ask questions. Stay involved. Don't, you know, if you, something doesn't sound right to you, ask a question um, and get an answer that you want, that, that you're looking for. The other thing, too, is understand that in a community living, it is very different than living at home. And it's, sometimes it's an adjustment period for the loved one that you're, you know, putting into the nursing home or placing in the nursing home or assisted living. It's an adjustment for them. But listen to them. Listen to them what's got, about what's happening to them when they're in there. Don't dismiss what they're saying. Listen to what they're saying. And when you need help, reach out to the Ombudsman Program because yeah. we're going to be there to help you. Right. And on that note, uh, is there? do you think there's any misconceptions about about the uh, ombudsman from the resident and from the resident family perspective? Sometimes, you know, resident, residents and families, I'm going to say this, they don't want to complain. So they don't want to always, they don't want, that. They, they may think that you're only there because of complaints, but we're not just there for complaints. We're there for good things. We're there for, to make sure residents know that they do have their resident rights. So we want them to feel comfortable in talking with us, which is why being there every week and meeting and talking to the residents and families is very important. And we want them to know that everything is confidential, confidential when between us. And also that, um, don't, don't be afraid to, to talk with us, and, and we're, not, we're, not, we're, we're supposed to be there. We have, have the right to be in that facility, and it is, a, it is a mandate for us to be there to help those residents. And this might be a silly question, uh, but, but I'll ask it anyway. When an ombudsman is in the facility, do they have a, a name tag? Uh, it, are they in, how, how would a resident or a family know who the ombudsman is? Um, we have an identification badge with our picture mm-hmm. on it that does say certified ombudsman and, your, and our name. We also have a lanyard that does say ombudsman on our lanyard so we so everyone knows and they could they could identify us. And you know also I just want to mention to Eric that when we're in the facility, we're not adversarial. We do know that we, we are there to help the residents. We know the facility is there to care for the residents. And whatever we do, we want to make sure we work together. So our role is very important to get the residents, tr- residents and families to trust in us that we would do our best for them, but also to have that working relationship with the staff of the facility, the administration, and let them know that we're not there as a regulator, the Department of Health is the regulator. We're there as a resident advocate, and we want to be able to work together for the resident, for the sake of the resident, together. And should never really, you know, feel threatened if a resident places a complaint or says a dissatisfaction. Everyone has dissatisfactions in their life, and we're, we're there to help maybe be like the mediator. We, may, we wear many roles, and we wear many hats, rather, and we do many things. And, and sometimes a mediator is needed sometimes. And, and so we're there to kind of be that little in-between person to see both sides of the story and come to a, a resolution that is good for the resident. That's a really helpful helpful uh, explanation. I'm going to close our conversation with our guest recommendation segment. This is where we ask our guests uh, about a, a, a paper or an article or any kind of media item 
that they've been reading or watching that they would recommend. So, Gloria, is there a a report, an article, a book? This can be nursing home related. It can be non-nursing home related. That uh, that you would recommend for the listeners? Well, I know that there is. I mean. There's always, I always say, be very informed and know your resources. So I always encourage families and especially families to avail themselves to the resources on the on the internet. And of course, um, LTCC's website is one of them, and National Consumer Voice is the other, where they can find the information. And it's pretty much laid out for them when it comes to nursing homes or assisted living. And also, just to, um, I read a book once about how to talk with seniors, and you know. We think we know how to how to talk with everybody, but sometimes it was it was a good book that I read, and it gave me a little bit of of awareness on you know don't always try to put words in somebody's mouth and let them finish their stories, and you know um, just just be they're still they're still a person they were they were they're still able to tell you how they're feeling. It just might take a little longer, so not to rush them through. So anything that just kind of keeps you informed on uh, how to work and, and accept our life's journey as we get older is really important. Thank you for, for those. And we'll link to, to those website and that book in our show description. And i um, grateful for uh, that you took the time to uh, talk with me about, about the Ombudsman program. Well, thank you, Eric, and I and I do hope that everybody becomes more aware of the Ombudsman Program and we can bust the best secret. Thanks for listening to the Nursing Home 411 podcast, and thanks to Gloria for joining the show. To learn more about the Ombudsman Program and volunteer opportunities outside of the Hudson Valley, we recommend the National LTC Ombudsman Resource Center, which you can find at ltcombudsman.org. That's ltcombudsman.org. You can find us on our website, nursinghome411.org, as well as on iTunes and Spotify. Our music is by Silverman Sound Studios. Until next time. <laughs>